This is Jim Wills, and you are listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Art is a communication from the subconscious of humanity. Art elucidates reality. It elucidates life. Peace and love to everyone. Live in your truth. The universe will take care of the rest. Art is the expression of human creativity. Your life can be enriched by the most beautiful things that are around you. You just have to understand what you're looking at. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Jim Wills, and I really want to thank you guys for coming out to this. For those of you who don't know, we're going to do a live conversation with this group right here, and then we're going to perform for you guys. And so I am very honored to, to be a part of this group and to, to come out here, and I really, really appreciate you guys coming out. So uh, this is Gamelan Tunis Makar. Who's heard of Gamelan music before? All right, you can clap, sure. She was clapping over here. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, well, thanks for coming back. So um, who's not heard of Gamelan music before? Who are some newbies? There's got to be at least one or two. All right. Over here up front. You might want to come closer. So we're going to start out with a conversation. I'm going to sit with the group, and we're just going to talk about Gamelan for about 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. All right. So first thing I want to do is I want to just go around real quickly and introduce, have everybody introduce themselves, because one of the things that I discovered when I came to this group is just how talented everybody in the group is, but we all come from really different musical backgrounds. And so, and some of them, I've been with the group for six months and I still don't know the musical backgrounds of everybody in the group, but there's, it's so varied. And I think one of the fascinating things is that we're able to come together and play this music that I, it's a totally, completely different style of music from what I grew up with. And that's part of why I'm in it. And I think that's part of why we're all in it because it's so amazing to play and perform. So let's just start off right here. If you guys will uh, pass the mic around and just introduce yourselves. Say how long you've been with the group and then a little bit like your musical background, what you play or how you kind of are involved in music. Thanks, Jim. My name is Aliana. I started playing in the group when I was 14 officially, but that lovely lady over on the left side, that is my mom. Uh, and she's been playing since before I was born. So I have the really, really unique privilege of having grown up listening to this music. And so many of these people are like my family. Um, and... I only play gamelan right now, and I used to play African music, and that's my background. I don't play any Western music, but I love this music so much. Thank you. Uh, I'm Kendall, and uh, I've been in the group since 2011. And, well, before I met uh, Pakmare at CU Boulder, where I was studying um, composition uh, for classical music, and so that's sort of my... Um, but I come from a rock and roll background, so this is sort of like the best of both worlds. Classical, but Balinese rock. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's all. My name is Miranda. See, I guess I'm a, a typical Chinese-American where I, at the age of five, started playing piano. Um, in college, I decided to take a course on world music, and that's where I was introduced to gamelan, and I just, like, I couldn't stop. But I did have to stop for a couple of years when I had children, and now I'm back with the group, so I'm really pleased to be doing that. Uh, my name's Ade, and um, 
I've been got, playing gamelan since I was five years old, so that's around 14 years old, or 14 years of playing. Uh, I started playing in the group officially. I think I danced first, but I started playing with the group officially probably when I was 10 years old, so nine years. Hi, uh, I'm Joe Engel. I've been in the group since July of 2015 when I, I saw Tunis McCarr play that year at uh, DU where I was getting my master's degree and I thought it was in cello performance, which uh, I thought I thought Gamelon was pretty much the coolest thing I had ever seen at that time. Uh, and I got invited because one of my friends was in the group, uh, four member Aaron Page, and I just never, never stopped coming to rehearsals. So here I am. Hello, I am Aji. I've been playing since I was like four or five, so it's in the blood. Hi, my name is Indy. Um, I'm a dancer with Tunis Makar, and I've been dancing since I was five years old with them. Hi, I'm Vicky Zero. I've been playing with Tunis Makar off and on since 2013. I actually live in Wyoming, and I keep trying to quit this group, but it won't happen. So um, I also got roped into dancing eventually because I stuck around long enough. And while I'm a biologist, I used to play vibraphone when I was growing up, and that's actually how I got introduced to gamelan, was at a music summer school um, where I first played gamelan in the year 2000. Hello, my name is Chris. I've been playing with uh, GTM for about a little over a year. I think I joined in February or maybe January of 2018. Uh, my music background is mostly playing classical percussion and jazz drum set, probably mostly jazz drum set. And if you watch enough percussion videos on YouTube, you will eventually get turned on to gamelan, which is basically what happened to me. And then I found out that there was this awesome gamelan group in Denver, so I decided to come check them out and have been playing ever since. Uh, my name is Jordan. I came from violin performance, uh, went to school back east, and they had a gamelan there. Uh, so I got started doing gamelan in uh, spring of 2005, and then I'm from Montana, and I wanted mountains and gamelan, and there's only three places in the world you can get that combination. And uh, I happened to be listening to Tunis Makar recordings for many of those years. I was in Rochester, and I thought it was a Balinese group, but I Googled and it came up Denver, Colorado. So I was like, well, that's where I'm moving. So I've been here since 2011. My name is Aaron Burris-Dabosky, and I've been in the group since, I think, late 2011. Uh, I got started in school at Metro State University in the music program in one of Pakmade's classes there, um, and instantly became very excited about the gamelan music and... My background is mostly in, in guitar and classical composition and experimental noise music. So this also really well uh, does a great job of blending all those worlds. Hi, uh, my name is Rihanna. I've been playing with Tunis Makar for I think two and a half years, something like that. I was also brought to the group by Aaron Page, a member who's not here. I think there's at least two of us, if not more, who are his product in that regard. And like Joe, I, I was getting my degree in violin performance at DU and um, got interested in ethnomusicology via Aaron Page's classes. And I came to check out rehearsal once I had graduated because I was sick of playing violin and I just never stopped coming back to rehearsals. And here I am. Uh, hi, I'm Luke. I've been playing with Tunis Makar for a little over two years now. My musical background, I have a BA in world and experimental music and uh, composition and performance from Wesleyan University. I actually took uh, 
That's why I'm a lawyer. Um, so, but uh, I, I actually, Aaron Page was my TA in Javanese Gamelon out there. And so when I saw that there was a Gamelon group here, I thought I'd call him up and see if I could come play. And I did. Uh, hi, my name's Russ, and uh, I'm another product of Aaron Page. Um, the, yeah, it's four of us now, I think. And uh, I, I was exposed to Gamelon when I was at DU. Uh, my background is in guitar, and um, I saw lots of performances of, of Tunis Makar around town, and several people in the group were, have been friends before I joined about eight months ago and had been trying to get me to join, and uh, I, finally, I finally jumped in, and it's been, yeah, one of the greatest things I've done in a long time. Hi, uh, my name is Michael. I've been playing in the group for 27 years which is a super, super long time. And I've had a great time doing it every minute. I act as the president of the group. My musical background is uh, guitar, uh, jazz and classical. And uh, uh, we've also, my wife and I, how I got introduced to jazz was through my wife, who came back from a tour of Asia with a jazz group, but it was really two months in Bali studying. And she was just way into it, and I was into her. So I started playing gamelan. <laughs> And shortly thereafter, it moved into our house, and then Mr. Lasmawan moved into our house. And uh, we helped build all this, so it's been really a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben. Um, I am actually from Thailand, and I grew up playing Thai music and doing Thai dance. And I'm the co-founder and director of the Thai Harmony Arts Ensemble here in town. Um, and I basically grew up playing at all the same events, uh, multicultural events and festivals as Tunis Makar. Um, so, um, and my mom knew people in the ensemble as well. When I started going to CU Boulder, I started studying formally with our guru, um, Pakmade Lasmawan, and I've been playing in this group ever since for about eight years now. Hi, my name is Karen. I am a general music teacher, um, an elementary music teacher, and I happen to have a former student who is sitting on stage, Indy Sandika, and uh, ran, my being in this group is a result of a very random conversation I had with her one day. I just said, I'm going to a teacher workshop this weekend and I'm gonna learn about Balinese gamelan. I have no idea like, what Balinese gamelan is about. And she kind of looked at me and she said, oh yeah, my uncle teaches like 10 gamelans in Denver. I'm like, really? I never knew this about you. So she invited me along and um, then I became a part of this group and I've never looked back. Um, I also have small children and like Vicky, I have also tried, like weighed in, like who should I really continue with this group? But I think once you're a part of this, it really becomes part of who you are and, and it really is, I think, for many of us, you know, a community that is really, really vital to our lives. Hi, my name is Carolyn. I am Aliana's Ibu. And uh, I've been playing with uh, Tunis Makar since 1992, so 27 years. And my background is in classical music. I was a, a piano performance major. And I just want to say briefly that one of the fascinating things for Western musicians is how different the experience of this music is from being a Western solo performer and that, that kind of experience. It's so much about the group and the community. And Pakmade especially has been so welcoming to us who try, as long as you try, it's good enough. And of course we want to be better than that, but he has been very welcoming of Western musicians who at least are interested in the culture and put the time in. So this is a magical group. I can't say enough about it. 
for everybody. Thank you for coming here earlier. So I will start uh, telling you that I play golf 20, start 27 years ago. <laughs> and my teacher is right here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I still uh, keep playing golf now, and, and I'm ready for retired. And I'm proud to tell you because uh, this group is uh, now is considered as, uh, I would say, my second generation. So most of my friends in Indonesia is already retired, and I'm going close, close to that probably because I'm uh, proud with this group, and soon I'm going to be retired. Retired meaning, you know, uh, most of my talents already spread out to all of this one, and I'm ready to go back to Bali hopefully soon. Speaking about Balinese music. So when I moved from, Den from San Diego to Denver 27 years ago, so I think the member that's still here, me, Mr. Mike, and Caroline, so most of our and Jill, Jill not here. <laughs> so, and, and uh, hopefully gonna be for the future of our Balinese music and dance here in Colorado gonna be grow. Uh, through all of this uh, member of the new member. Um, and also, we have a Japanese gambalan also, and I start the Japanese gambalan in Cold Spring. So, in Colorado, we have Balinese and Japanese gambalan. So, I think that's for now. But do remember, I play golf start 27 years ago. My score getting better. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I also want to, uh, a big huge mention to, uh, Mike mentioned his wife, Jill. She is also another OG from the group. She was one of the first original members. And like a true musician, she's actually working this morning or today and will be here for our performance, hopefully, uh, later on. So we really miss her. And another person who's in the group who had to leave and he's coming back is Jake Weary, who uh, I don't really know his musical background, but I saw him perform once and he had the weirdest, he played with some of these cats and he had the weirdest setup of instruments and noisemakers. Uh, so I know that he's a phenomenal music musician, so I want to mention him as well. And I also have to mention, so part of why we're here is I have a podcast about the arts. My start to this group was I wanted to do a podcast about these guys because they were, I just found the music to be so interesting. But as I listened to everybody's stories about how they came, they're all similar to mine, which was I went to see a performance of the group and was like, this is amazing. I need to talk to these guys further, and I stayed in touch with Mike, and that was like two more than two years ago, and last summer, he said, well, hey, why don't you come to a rehearsal, and that was in August, and like many of you, I'm just still keep coming to the rehearsals, and they haven't kicked me out, so, but another thing that happened is, is they were talking when I first came to the group about wanting to play in Bali, and my wife and I got to Bali a couple years ago, and that's why we saw the Gamelan group, and, and and I was like, well, I want to be a part of that too. So the group has been working really, really hard. And we received a grant recently. And I just want to make sure I get it right. It's um, supported by the Mid-Atlantic Arts Foundation through the U.S. Artists International in partnership with the National Endowment for the Arts and the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. And what all that means is we got a grant of money to help us on our trip to Bali. And so the group is got invited to go to the Bali Arts Festival this summer, which I want to talk about more, uh, and a couple other festivals, and there's some other things that we're going to be doing, which I really want to talk about and get into. So big thanks to the, the uh, Arts Foundation for the grant, and thanks to you guys for coming out. So let's start out and talk a little bit about the gamelan itself and how the music is played. And uh, Joe, would you mind talking about that? 
Yeah, the reason I pick on Joe is because he's only been with the group since 2015, so like three, four years, and this guy is mad good. And sometimes being really new to the group, I will sit next to him when I'm playing my real simple part, and I will get so wrapped up in watching his hands move around and play that I get lost in what I'm doing, and my part's really, really simple. So Joe, if you don't mind just talking a little bit about gamelan and, and just the whole, like how it's played with the instruments and things like that. Okay, um, well, stop me if I say something wrong or stupid. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, so uh, like, like Jim mentioned, it's uh, actually, I think a number of people mentioned, um, coming from a Western music background, uh, gamelan is organized really differently. And if, and if uh, you know, at, at first glance, it kind of just looks incredibly chaotic and just crazy, but there's there's some really interesting, um, almost almost two simple rules, you know, as far and, I, and two as in like really really simple. So it's it's uh, uh, obviously a lot of metallophones. If you haven't had a chance to look at the instruments, you'll you'll get a chance later. But a lot of metallophones, um, so bronze bars, a lot of, of doubling of parts, um, uh, either doubling or or kind of um, like breaking up a part into two other parts to play play uh, kind of a composite, if that makes any sense. And uh, you know, just the, the philosophy of the music is just based on a sort of communal aspect. Um, any one of these parts that you might learn doesn't make sense on its own. In fact, it's really difficult to practice gamelan by yourself. It just doesn't work, at least not for me. So uh, I don't know. Does that answer the question? I, I, can I, think, it's a, I think it's a good start. All right, cool, yeah. Mike actually told me once, we had a conversation, and he was talking about in Bali, tell me if I'm wrong, but in Bali a lot of times when they rehearsed, because you always play in pairs, your partner has to get your instrument out for rehearsal when they arrive and you get your partner's instrument out for rehearsal when you arrive so that way if your partner doesn't show up you are now you know kind of stuck because you don't have an instrument to play with because you got theirs out and so it really it is that right is that still happen is that still a thing so so it's a real community group and we don't do that here maybe we should but we don't do that here. we don't do that here but it is real community driven one of the other things, I was like, oh, Balinese gamelan, totally foreign. And then I hear we have this gamelan in Denver. And I was like, oh, it's so cool that we have this. And then I found out that just from a show of hands here in the group, how many of you guys came to the group through school, through like university or whatever? So about four, five, six, about half of us maybe or, or a third of us. I realized or I found out there's gamelan all over the United States. It's many major schools and, and people like Pak Made who teach at different schools and, and bring this tradition to the United States, it's really prevalent. But I think, and I started to find out our group is a little bit different because we're not a college group and we're a mix of college students and we're a mix of older people and we're a mix of some young people here. We got a couple people still in high school, which is awesome. So it's a unique group because we're a community-driven group. But there's some things about that I think that make us unique in Denver and make us just a little bit different in the way we conduct ourselves as a community organization. Mike, would you like to talk about that at all? Towards toward sort of the uniqueness of our group, one of the things is most of, most of the groups in the country are university-based groups. So you pay you know, to go to school and you credits pay for you to go to the class. There's also gamelans around the country that have a lot of members and pay dues. And we've always been a gamelan very luckily, um, thanks to the graciousness of what we pay Pak Day, which is not enough to pay for his gas, really. But we, we, we earn our way through performance. We don't require any of our members to pay any dues. So if you want to play in this gamelan, you can just come and play in this gamelan. You don't need to pay a certain amount of money. And the thing we ask as a gamelan is that you learn the music 
and you perform with us. And that's how we, we keep everything going. On that note, on the music note, it's an oral tradition, traditionally. Is that the right way to say it? Oral tradition? Where in Western music, uh, you know, we have sheet music and we learn parts by sheet music in Balinese or Bali, and in, I think probably most of Indonesia, it's just passed down from, you know, from person to person throughout the, the eons has not really been written down until I think really when it was brought to the West. Is that correct? So the, so the music's just passed on. So something I learned interesting was that a song that we're playing today may actually have existed for a very long time, but it's quite possible that song today is very different from a song that was played maybe 50 years ago from the same song, just because of you know, memory of how it sounded from the teacher to the student and from that student became the teacher and so forth. And only recently we, we write the music down and I noticed there are some people in the group that are really against that, Miranda. <laughs> She's like, you have to learn it by not listening to them, not reading the music, which I appreciate and I love so much. But I really struggled with it as a new... Oh, okay, yeah, she, she wants to rebuttal. Go ahead, yeah, by all means. Having had a Western music background, what I found about Balinese music is that the way you learn really affects how, how you ingest it, how it becomes a part of you. And so when you do have notation, you're learning from notation, it's just it's different than when you're forced to learn something just by imitating someone and, and internalizing it that way. It's just a completely different experience. So sometimes we do you know, have an urgent need to maybe cheat a little bit and use some notation and it just comes in in a different way and it's internalized differently. So it's a different experience. Yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> For me, that experience was, has been rather painful. I'm not too shy to admit. Uh, and I really struggled with learning the music, but I wanted to just talk about, I was Karen, who is a teacher. She sat with me and she had notated the music in a way that was written sort of Western style with a scale up and down where the high notes were up and the lower notes were down. And it just clicked in my brain. And I don't know why, but it, like all of a sudden it became super easy for me for that one part to look at the music and then kind of see it in my brain when I was playing it. And I, it, for me, it's growing up learning Western music that way and then struggling to not learn it that way. I really struggled, and so I'm still struggling, but I will do my best to continue to learn it without notation. But it was just interesting to me how it clicked when, when I saw it written out as Western music that I grew up with. Something else that uh, I find is really cool with the group, really powerful, is that there's not really any one director, per se, when we play. Uh, Pakmade is our teacher and our guru and, and, and teaches us the music, but uh, the music that we're playing now, it's not all written by him. Some of it has actually been written by some of our, our newer members. But one thing that he has talked about is, uh, correct me if I get it wrong, is taksu, which is a lot, I think, like being in the zone, if you, but it's deeper than that. And I wanted, Pak, if you would, would you talk about taksu a little bit? Taksu in Balinese uh, um, belief actually is uh, considered as a, we can say, magic power or spirit power. Actually, there's a start from, you have to have three things. Number one is a mentality, number two is a physicality, and number three is a, a, a spirituality. So you have to connect this together. So that's actually the traditional in Bali, but now in order to get taxu, uh, I would say not only three, not only 
physical, not only mental, not only spiritual, but you have to exercise, you have adding a lot more. So that means taksu in Balinese concept is uh, can be spread because uh, it's not only Balinese people able to get taksu, so probably now because uh, gamelan belong to almost everybody in the world, so taksu can be spread, uh, adding from the concept of Balinese uh, belief. And I would like to mention a little bit about the, when Miranda said uh, about the, how to learn Balinese music. So I produce five different strategies uh, when I teach the music. So I call that uh, Pancho Guru. Pancho Guru, you know, you can, you can have a five step or you, you can choose one from the five uh, uh, strategy how to learn music. Because if you come from the good musician, probably you can choose three or four or one. So Pancho Guru that I introduced for most of my students here in United States or sometime in Bali. So number one is uh, we call Moguru Tingal. So uh, by watching and by uh, look at your friend, so that's one way you learn the Balinese music. So consider as part of the traditional uh, system. And number two is uh, Moguru Pangul. So Pangul is the hammer. So how the teacher uh, strike the gamelan. So number three, Moguru uh, Kuping, that's uh, by listening. So um, that's very common also in Balinese culture. And number four, Moguru, Moguru Lagu. This one is considered as notation. So in Balinese, uh, we don't have notation until the School of the Performing Arts start 1960. So notation in Balinese, uh, they, using what we call notation, ding-dong. So they're singing, ding-dong, ding-dong-dong. So that's Moguru uh, Lagu considered as uh, uh, using the notation. So, and the last one, Moguru Raso. Moguru Raso is the feeling. So this is the one connect to the taksu one. So five different uh, strategy how to learn Balinese music, but you don't have to use all, depend on the uh, quality or depend on the level of uh, your mu musical musical term, but because if, you know, if the new student, so to make it uh, easier, so I have to use the notation. And the notation that I use now, not ding-dong anymore, um, when I start here teaching gambalan, so I use that number notation. So like one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. So that's part of the traditional and Pancho Guru strategy of play gambalan. So Pancho I, Guru? Pancho Guru, yeah, so, um, so when, when I using the notation, it's, it's not always gonna when when you play Balinese music, not always gonna be using the notation. But that's like uh, the first step, the beginning of the strategy. So basically, if we we have a new student at the university or high school or middle school, and I have to use that because uh, they will not get it to be the uh, rasa. So it's gonna be very hard for them. So thank you. I think that's help. So yeah. about taksu and about the. <laughs> Oral tradition teaching gambalan. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh, so I guess I, I need to go back down a couple levels then and start, start smaller, start smaller instead of trying to go so big. So we're also here to perform for you guys, but part of that is today, or today is, a fundraiser for us to go to Bali because we got invited to go to the Bali Arts Festival as well as the Karagasm Arts and Culture Festival in Bali. And it, it's, a, it's a really big deal for the group Number one, because we haven't, the last time we went was 1996, is that right? So 1996 was the last time this group had been to Bali. Uh, so most of us that are in the group today ha hadn't been there as part of the group. I think, show of hands, three of you, 
that have been there in 96? Yeah. <laughs> Eliana has a, has a pup. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> so, so to go back, I think it's a really big deal for us as being a predominantly Western membered band is, or group is really, really cool. But we're also going because we have young Ade and Aji here coming of age, and there's the ceremonies that they're doing that we're going to be. There so I feel really, really honored to be a part of it. And um, I don't know if either of you guys want to talk about it or your dad wants to talk about the tooth filing. Yeah. I don't know. So I want to start by saying that I think the, the common theme here is that Gamelan is a community thing, and that's actually the most important thing about Gamelan is feeling like a, a community. And... Growing up with Tunas Bakar, that's something that they've always given me and it's taught me throughout um, college life, high school life, uh, middle school. I've, I just always wanted to be uh, engaged. Me, growing up, me, Aji, and Indy, uh, we want to try to stay close to our culture and Tunas Makar um, definitely gave that opportunity to us. Uh, being able to, you know, we, me and Aji, we don't really have a group in Bali to go to. Uh, you know, my first composition that is actually being played in Bali is going to be played by Tunas Makar. It's not going to be played by a Balinese group. And, um, I'd like to thank Tunas Makar for giving me the opportunity to keep me close to my culture and um, to return that favor. Uh, I'm excited to go to Bali with them and I want to share my culture with them in the actual island. Um, my dad probably could talk a little bit more about the tooth filing ceremony. Well, if you grow up in Bali, so uh, Balinese people uh, believe you the Hindu, but the Hindu in Bali is a little bit different than Hindu in India. So uh, three principal Hindu are going to make us very fast uh, if you learn Balinese Hindu. And we call uh, Tatwa, Susilo, and Upachara. The tatwa is the philosophy of Hinduism, and uh, Susilo is etiquette, and Upachara is a ceremony. So when you go into Bali, so Balinese Hinduism mostly close to the ceremony. So they don't care about, I mean, some of them, like myself, you know, because uh, uh, the philosophy of Hindu, if you want to learn more, you have to go to the uh, religious school. But the ceremony, you have, you have to be do it because uh, you, that's part of the big culture in Bali. So we call Pancho Yadnyo. Pancho Yadnyo is a five different ceremony. And uh, number one is uh, Dewa Yadnyo. So uh, Pancho uh, Dewa Yadnyo is the ceremony to the God. And Rishi Yadnyo, ceremony to the Bhagawan or uh, the one who leading us uh, in the religion. And number three is Manuso Yadnyo. Manuso Yadnyo is a ceremony for the human. And Buddha Yadnyo, ceremony for the evil spirit. So, and the last one is a cremation ceremony for the uh, when cremation for the body. So, specific for the Manuso Yadnyo, one of them is going to be tooth filing ceremony. And that's when the kid grow up up to 17 years old. So, that's almost uh, everybody in Bali, they have a Filling ceremony we call Masangi, Matata, um, or Mopandas. So it's many different names uh, according to because in Bali we have a, the system we, we call Desa Kalopatro. So every village they have a different system. So Matata, Masangi, or Mopandas, that's actually a uh, tooth filling ceremony. What happened is uh, actually uh, six different uh, six of our teeth gonna be filed, symbolic files, so it's not, not real filing like uh, when you go to the dentist. So, so the, uh, the meaningful of that actually is uh, try, try to read, read out of the what we call sadripu, so six different bad things in our body, so like angry, jealousy, um, uh, what else? So you, you, you can tell me what is the six bad thing in our body. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sometimes it's gambling, um, uh, drunk, so, so that's 
try to teach the youth when they grow up, so not drink too much, not angry too much. So that was the, the meaning of the truth failing ceremony. So that's going to be Ade Energy, um, going to be take place in our temple ceremony. Uh, our family temple ceremony are going to be June 18th this year. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was, when I heard the tooth filing ceremony, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, and then just the fact that I've come to learn the, the, the gamelan music is kind of wrapped up in the arts in general in Bali is in everything. And uh, the music itself is also wrapped up in everything. So it's not just used in spiritual or religious ceremonies but also secular ceremonies or just sort of festivals, and it's also used in political events. So it's the music that's used all the time. And so the fact that we were going to go to play, and I was part of it, I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then all of a sudden, I heard about this ceremony. I'm like, that's like a next level, I think, with this group. And it's really, really cool. And I, too, am honored, and I'm sure we all are. Ade mentioned he, he wrote a piece, being a young person just in college, let me rest assured, all of you, that his piece is super challenging to play, and it's really, really fast. <laughs> but we also have Kendall wrote a piece, and Kendall, being a West, like having a Western upbringing, specifically wrote a piece that's, I think, a really cool mix of like Western style with gamelan. And it's, uh, even with, uh, you guys will hear that piece today, and it's, I think, very, very different from the traditional gamelan pieces with just the elements of the traditional gamelan mixed in. Ken, do we just say a, wor a word or two about that, since we're going to be playing it today? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I wrote this piece last summer. It's, I guess for me, as a part of an attempt to ingest the musical language a little bit deeper and see if I can make something that's worthy of the group to play. I, I really tried to, within the bounds of what felt authentic to uh, respect the traditional forms and uh, the language as much as I could. But I definitely allowed myself a few creative liberties, um, which I think it's cool because that's that mixture of um, uh, traditional kinds of expression and also evolving and creative kinds of expression is accepted by the group, but it's also uh, seems to be a part of just Balinese culture in general. I mean, it's a very, you know, Balinese music is, is highly traditional, but I mean, the, in the sense that the, the, its roots spanned centuries, but a lot of like the music that we play is like the, the Gankabyar, which is a different uh, orchestra than this, but we play music on this orchestra that is influenced by the Gankabyar is just a 20th century phenomenon. So it's like, it's a very dynamic culture. And so I felt really, um, I feel very honored to have contributed a little bit for the group to play. And it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty fun. Well said, well said, Kendo. It's, his piece is really rad, and it, uh, I was in the group a, ba a couple weeks, like a couple rehearsals, and they had an event coming up where um, they were kind of short of a gong player, and, the, and Kendo was like, do you think you can learn this piece in a week, at least well enough to get through this performance? And I was like, yeah. And so that was back in, I think, end of August of last year, and it was only about two rehearsals ago that I actually played the piece as Kendall wrote, 
wrote it. So it's taken that, me that long just to learn to get this gong thing down. And speaking of which, like Joe, I talked about how Joe like, is mesmerized. When, when we're playing, it's, I find it to be really mesmerizing. And I was sitting in an early performance or an early rehearsal next to Eliana. And growing up in the group, she's ambidextrous on, on the gamelan. And so I am left-handed predominantly through everything I do with my left hand. And in Bali, the le everybody plays right-handed, and everybody's right-handed, and, and I think there's even, like, left-handed is considered offensive if you greet somebody with your left hand and things like that. So I was really like, oh, man, here I... I was really struggling, and they finally were like, okay, Jim, you can play left-handed. It's okay. <laughs> and then we were, we, were, we were running through a piece, and I look over, and I was watching Eliana, and she just magically switched from her right hand to her left hand, and she goes, yeah, my hand was getting tired, and she's just continuing on like it was... <laughs> It's next level for me. And so the fact that she's sitting next to me, Eliana, will you talk a little bit about growing up in the group? Because your mom was in the group for such a long time and you were literally born into the group. Would you talk about that a little bit? Like I kind of touched on earlier, I consider myself profoundly lucky. Uh, I think it's a really unique experience and the, the idea of community that everyone keeps talking about is kind of the biggest takeaway. I didn't play that much as a kid. I, you know, went to a bunch of shows and all the pieces sounded the same to me and it was great. It was cool, but it didn't really sink in until I was in middle school and kind of going into high school and uh, without going into too much of my middle school trauma, um, I don't think I really had a, a great community then. And I came to rehearsal and I had some homework to do and I started that. And then the, I played the second half of the group and I was like, I have to be a part of this. Um, and it's always, you know, it's always been there. I've grown up with Ade and Aji and Putu, who is not here, who is also one of Pac's sons. Um, I consider them all my brothers. And, you know, my, oh, Mike and Angel, or, you know, like, it's just, Atantajel, um, it's, I see tears over there. I'm like, getting a little, getting a little, um, a little teary. I just, it's so special. There's something really special about showing up. I think that's the biggest thing of this group is that Mike was saying, you show up and you play, but there's so much passion and there's so much dedication and it's hard to explain to anybody just how magical it is. And music is a really unique community. And I think in the States, there's a lot of isolation. The Western idea is kind of very independent and you, you do it yourself and you pull yourself up. And Balinese culture is just so the opposite in many other world cultures. So to be able to experience that here through music, I think is, you know, some people can touch on it with like sports and work and religion. There's all these kind of undercurrents of it. And this group is just, it's been, I don't know where I would be today. It's been so monumental. And just, I love everyone and this music and this group so much. I'm going to start talking because I will start <laughs> crying. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, another thing you mentioned briefly about the, the music or the instruments is that there's a real, like, I don't know, the music vibrates at a very high level, if that makes sense to people. Like, playing it, and I know all you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, is that in playing it or listening to it, like, the energy in the room is elevated and the, and the vibration of, of emotion in the room is elevated. And I, I, I experience that every time I play. And I, uh, we play in a room that's about as big as a stage, that's closed off and it's really closed in and we're real close together and it gets really, really loud in there. And I know a lot of people use uh, earplugs and I have yet to do so, maybe to my chagrin, but uh, my ears do ring a little bit when I leave. But it's like, I'm like, man, it's like I always drive away 
going, wow, that was just amazing. It, 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 it does something. And one of the things I think is also really cool, these instruments are sacred. I don't want Pac to have all the mic time, so I'd love for somebody to talk about the instruments that we have here in our group. Is there any? Jordan, would you talk about the instruments a little bit? Would you mind? While he's getting the mic, like the instruments are very sacred. One of the things that I learned early on, and I have been chastised a couple times until I got it locked in, is you don't step over the instruments because the, the bottoms of our feet are the dirtiest, and so you know, stepping over the instruments is disrespectful to the instruments, to the spirits within the instruments, and the music of the thing. But uh, Jordan, would you talk a little bit more about that? Because you're you're good at describing that sort of thing. Sure. So um, what you're going to see us play today is called gamlan anklung. Gamlan anklung is typically used for, as you just heard, uh, tooth filing ceremonies or, and cremations primarily in Bali. It's more recently been used in a more secular kind of vein, which is similar to what we're doing today. But just to give you a little bit of context, so uh, gamlan anklung is one of somewhere around 30 different types of gamlan, 30, 35. Nobody really knows for sure because, of course, the boundaries tend to be quite blurred. But this is on, a, on an island in the Indonesian country, the archipelago. And Bali is the size, I like to give this uh, just for Coloradans to get a sense for how, what the size of Bali is. If it's East to west, it's a diamond shape. And east to west, it's about the same as going from Vale to DIA. And from like um, southern Denver to northern Colorado Springs, north-south. And it's a diamond shape. And then on the island, each, the, the sort of the nexus of social contact is um, a neighborhood club you can think of, which the name for that is uh, Banjar. And each Banjar typically has to have at least one gamlan, but usually more than that. And there are around 7,000 banjar on the island. So if you imagine, say, average banjar has two or three gamlan, we're looking at anywhere between 14,000 and 25,000 ensembles in a, in an, on an island that size. So it's one of the most densely packed artistic centers of the world. And gamlan, the gamlan anklung is one of the probably top six types of gamlans that's played that you'd see in Bali. And then we play, the other set is a much larger set of instruments that is the most popular form of gamelan on Bali right now with a completely different tuning and everything. The, the Balinese describe the sound of the gamelan anklung as bittersweet. You're gonna hear it to a Western ear, it might sound like do, re, mi, so, mi, re, do. But it's not meant to be in any, as far as I understand, related to Western, to a Western scale, it's sort of a happenstance. Uh, and some gamelan anklung don't match that relationship of intervals as closely. But because this, this type of ensemble is played primarily in tooth filing ceremonies and particularly in cremation ceremonies, the, overall, the, the sound of the ensemble is associated quite heavily with that context. So, uh, yeah, no, that's perfect, thank you. Yeah, and the one thing I think about the instruments uh, as well is that they're all hand-carved, and they're so beautiful. Afterwards, you know, those of you who haven't seen them before, please come on up and check them out. They're just amazing and intri intricately carved. Uh, and one thing about this set, too, is this, this Anklun set is the last set that was allowed to leave Bali that was a Balinese gamelan. Uh, now, and what, when was that, Mike? So 74, this set was brought over here that we're going to play on today. And now any sets that are sent out to anywhere else in the world are made specifically 
for export. Is that correct? So, so this Tunis Makar has this um, instruments that are old. They've got a lot of history in them, and, and um, it's, it's really cool to be a part of that as well. So if there's nothing else from the group, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Jill is here. Hi, Jill. Woo, thank you so much. And Jake made it back. I see Jake back there. So, so we're going to wrap up this podcast now. I thank everyone again for, I thank the group for, for coming out and sitting and chatting with me about it. It's, I've learned a ton about each of you as well as about, about the music, and I hope you guys did too. So, so thanks. To learn more about Gamelan Tunis Makar, please visit tunismakar.org, where you can also make your tax-deductible donation. And, of course, you can find Tunis Makar all over the socials. That's T-U-N-A-S-M-E-K-A-R. The music for episode 32 is an original Gamelan Anklun composition composed by Kendall Burks, entitled Kayu Sakti. Also, be sure to check out my interview with Kendall on episode 27. Are you ready to go deeper into the arts? Then sign up for the Crave Magazine Podcast Patreon. Starting with episode 26, we are offering a deeper dive into the artist conversation with extended bonus interviews. In addition, subscribers can get their hands on incredible limited edition prints as well as original artwork from some of the Crave artists. As you know, my mission is to bring art to the world, and as a Crave Magazine podcast patron, you will help make that happen. So please head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. As always, be good to one another and take time to feed your soul with art. Music